Coming up on podcast 1603, Audi say that the pioneers Tesla made their job easier. Stick around, I'll tell you what I know. Also on the podcast today, Ford breaks ground on their Blue Oval City. Stellantis invests in Turin and the Radisson Hotels say, hey, look at our charging network. Those stories and a lot more for your Saturday edition. Well, good morning, good afternoon or good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to EV News Daily. This is your trusted source of EV information for the weekend. And my name is Martin Lee and I go through every EV story so you don't have to. Got a couple of good weekend long reads at the end of the podcast as my recommendations to you. If you have a little more free time at the weekend, we'll start with news of Audi teasing the new e-tron. That's the big e-tron, the 50 or the 55, debuting in uh, Hamburg, the e-cannonball. This is a facelifted e-tron, a whole new car. Been testing for months now and teased for months. A new revised bumper with e-tron debossing, a bit like the Q4 has e-tron actually embossed in the the bumper. Uh, It's got a new diffuser, new lights, new mesh grill. Uh, and it replaces the fully enclosed grille and it could be called the Q8 because the e-tron sits in a bit of a weird place in Audi's lineup in that it's just called e-tron or e-tron s whereas actually if they call it the Q8 it sits with the Q4 and they can still do their numbering like 35 40 50 etc a little confusing till you get your head around it increased range of this new Audi Q8 e-tron we don't know it'll be called that, uh, is, uh, they say, 373 miles, which is a convenient 600 kilometres. Again, that's not confirmed, uh, but we do know that Audi have new efficient motors they can put into that, a new energy recovery system, an upgraded battery pack. Etron's getting a little, a little long in the tooth, but I've seen a, a few flying around here lately, actually, and I think they still look really fresh, not too big, not too small, and I would absolutely love one of those on my driveway. And hey, a new one coming can always mean that used residual prices might be a little bit easier if you want to get into one of those. Not a huge price difference, actually, between the e-tron, the big one, and the Q4 e-tron, which, of course, is built on a bespoke EV platform, which I'm surprised about because the the big e-tron does feel like it's just that step up in terms of premium. We will wait to get more details on the new one. Tesla made the EV conversation easier, according to Audi. Now, Spencer Reader is the director of sustainability at Audi, and he's been explaining how Tesla opened up the conversation. Um, He said that uh, we celebrate Tesla and the success they've had. It's made the conversation around vehicle electrification easier, both internally and with our external stakeholders and customers. I'll pop a link to that uh, story in the show notes. But I think it's really nice when other car makers and Herbert Deese, the old CEO of Volkswagen Group, was very good at this, close to Elon Musk, of shining a light on Tesla and saying, like, you did the hard yards when nobody else was. Now, the other car companies we know were having meetings, getting working groups together. Some development R&D was being done on battery technology and inverters and motors. But still, Tesla, were the, once that they were out there with the Model S and it was full steam ahead, then they definitely did make the conversation 
easy. If it wasn't for Tesla, we wouldn't be driving the cars that we drive today, Tesla or not. I wouldn't be doing this podcast if it wasn't for Tesla. And so Audi giving them a bit of love, and I like that a lot. Now, GM is investing in their Toledo plant in Ohio. $760 million going into that to make EV drive units, primarily for the Silverado, the GMC Sierra, EV and the Hummer EV. It's the first US propulsion manufacturing facility for their new EV products. And GM's EV drive units are useful for front-wheel drive, rear-wheel drive, or all-wheel drive, including the high-performance models and even the off-road models. So everything coming out of that Ohio plant. So good news if you work there, uh, or then, or you know, you know someone who works there, that jobs are being saved and strengthened as well, because we know the move to EV is going to mean... Some people keep their job or get better jobs, and then some people, you know, if you're making exhausts or catalytic converters, you're gonna if you want to carry on working in, in automotive, you're gonna need to retrain and move into different bits of the company. Now, Ford have broken ground at Blue Oval City less than a year after they, alongside SK, SK on announcing their investment in West Tennessee. That was five point six billion dollars they're gonna spend there. They're gonna make two million EVs every single year by the middle of the decade, by twenty twenty six. That's their annual run rate. And now they've broken ground. When I mean breaking ground, it wasn't just a ceremony where, you know, an exec with a hard hat puts a shovel in the ground. I mean, the steels are up. been looking at the pictures for you today, and they're cracking on with it. It's going to make 6,000 new jobs at Blue Oval City building an all-new electric truck that we don't know what it will be yet, and advanced batteries for future Fords, future Lincolns um, that will be on the market from the middle of the decade. Now, uh, to Europe, where Stellantis is investing in Italy uh, for the move to electric cars. Turin is the home of Fiat. They merged with France's PSA Group last year. That formed the Stellantis Group. And it's one of the main sites in Italy at uh, Turin. Production at Mia Fiori, uh, which also hosts the battery hub in Italy, is where they make the Fiat 500 electric. Now, they signed an agreement with their Belgian partner called Punch Powertrains to increase the transmissions for plug-in hybrid electric vehicles. And they're going to make 600,000 of these EDCT transmissions annually in Mia Fiori and 600,000 in Metz as well. At full production, those two facilities between them will supply all relevance to Atlantis manufacturing for Europe. And I mention that not because this is, you know, a podcast that nerds out too much on, oh, who's making the uh, the dual-clutch transmission for a plug-in hybrid car? But because I think we try and read the tea leaves a little bit. And, you know, people are saying, well, is there a future in plug-in hybrids? Is there a future in hybrids? Now, I hope there isn't, because I want all, everything to have a plug socket on the side, no matter how far or, or not, in some cases, those plug-in hybrids go. I don't need one, wouldn't be for me. I respect people who, who who buy and drive one, though. And it's interesting to try and read the tea leaves a bit, to look at where the investment's going, to look at where companies are spending money. And, uh, and clearly Stellantis are not giving up on hybrids or plug-in hybrids, but investing very heavily in this new uh, hub that will make all the transmissions. So there you go. So read the tea leaves a bit and look forward a little bit. And so clearly they are very much in their roadmap for the short and midterm at the Stellantis Group. Other companies are just going headlong into full electric, and that's cool. That's fine. Everyone's doing it their own way, as long as they are moving electric. Now, what about electric trucking? How much range do you need for that? Well, sometimes less than you think. Now, the Aussie site, The Driven, has been taking a look at the company Rockwool. Now, Rockwool make volcanic rock into stone wool, and they you can use it for 
insulation. Now you can use it for heat insulation, but I've got a ton of rock wool in this house that we moved into not so long ago. Now we moved in, I ripped it apart. It's uh, mostly a wooden construction upstairs, a chalet bungalow. So downstairs, it's all solid walls. Upstairs, um, it's uh, a lot of wooden construction. Uh, so when we moved in, uh, the plasterboard came off the walls, off the dormer windows, everything got ripped out. And, uh, and the, you know, the 1970s insulation just wasn't up to the job. And we've got, I've put rock wool in everywhere in this house because it's good for insulation, but good for sound insulation um, as well. Uh, I mean, hey, I, we got, we've got uh, loads of the extra soundboard plasterboard. Uh, we've got two, three sheets of that with, with the kind of like a membrane you put between it. I won't go too nerdy on that now that decouples um, the sound because we're in a semi-detached house and you literally cannot hear a thing the neighbours do now. And that's good because it means they cannot hear our little boy when he's, you know, screaming. Uh, and so um, i got a ton of this rock wool and it's interesting to know where it comes from. And now if you buy your pack of rock wool in your, I don't know, your local DIY store, it's been moved around with electric power. Uh, they've been using the Volvo FM heavy-duty trucks at Rockwell in Norway, and they carry 44 tonnes, and in this application, these trucks have been running 24-7, obviously through three different shifts of drivers, but they have literally no downtime, because in the time that it takes to shift rock from their operations and move it within the Norwegian city... That 540 kilowatt hour battery is more than they need for the 14 kilometer loop. Now, every loop they, uh, every kilometer they do, they use 1.4 kilowatt hours in their 44 ton trucks. But when they get to the end of the loop and where they're going to, and they start to unload, they use the opportunity to plug into a 40 kilowatt charger. So they're not even massively DC fast charging this 540 kilowatt hour battery if you look at the c rate of that they're just you know basically trickle charging it at that speed and so the truck the trucks they use go on indefinitely they go on with no brakes no brakes for deliveries or shifts they change the driver three times a day and for local residents they are no longer woken by these heavy diesel trucks thundering past their houses in terms of commercial evs it's an entirely different game to what we think about the cars that you and I drive. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, oh, I'm not going EV to like, you know, drive a thousand miles towing a trailer with my 14 kids in the back. And OK, well, good luck doing that with a diesel. Right. Coming up on the podcast soon, we'll talk about how the UK car charging industry is campaigning to our government and which states will follow California in their ice car ban. Stick around those stories and more on the way. Now we'll talk about the Radisson Hotel Group. Yay, double thumbs up to you, Radisson. They're building their own charging network, and they have grown their network of ultra-fast and AC charging stations, they say, uh, to over 220 hotel locations across Europe, with 510 chargers in total. And they've just installed their first ultra-fast chargers. It's at a hotel in Frankfurt in Germany. Uh, they've installed a high-powered charger, uh, one of those ones that if you don't you want an 800-volt car or something, uh, we'll do 10 to 80% in 20 minutes, like a, you know Arnic 5 or a Kia EV6. So they don't say whether what the speed is, but I think they mean 350 kilowatts. And they say that we're putting these charges into the Radisson hotels because during that time, our customers can attend business meetings um, or even have a snack or maybe some lunch. And this is where, like, I never want to be critical of anyone spending money putting these charges in. They're using a Lego, by the way, the charging network, because... This is not a cheap endeavour to do, but 
please, Radisson, with your PR people, when you're sending out the press releases, of which I got this one today, if you're sending out your press releases, don't say, hey, we're putting in high-powered chargers so you can plug in while you have a business meeting. Because you, you, know, you think about a typical nice, you know, four or five-star hotel, they often have business conference facilities as well. So you park your car up, maybe you're 10 minutes early for your meeting, you're going to head along to that. You're going to ask reception where the meeting room is. Get there a bit early. Maybe you'll meet for half an hour or one hour and then be on your way. You do not want to leave your car on a high-powered charger. Think about going into a hotel for snacks or even food with your family. Now, it's great if they're on a main road or something and it's like, hey, let's pull in because they've got a charger there. You go into the, you, you, you plug it in, you're going to go into reception. Hey, can we get some food here? Yeah, sure, like the bar's open, grab a drink, we'll do some bar snacks, a sandwich thing. You can easily kill 30 minutes or 45 minutes doing that. It's a nice break, right? Nice hotel, nice surroundings, bit of jingly jangly music on the little um, you know, speakers in the roof playing away. You know what I'm talking about? That is not the place for a high-powered charger. Please, Radisson. I mean, put them in by all means, but you know, say to people, stay with your car, because 20 minutes is literally, hey, can I get a takeaway coffee? Can I use your bathroom? I'm on my way. Like, you time it. And I know you won't. I'm not, I, and I'll, I'll get off this topic in a minute. I, I feel kind of strongly about it. Um, but next time that you take a break in your car on a road trip, time it. And please don't, you know, <laughs> you don't have to. I'm just saying that, that I have done. And 20 minutes flies by. We did a big road trip a couple of weeks ago. As you know, I went away to the cabin with um, my family and uh, to the forest. Uh, so we did two stops each way uh, with our little four-year-old. And... Um, each one was at least 30 minutes. And, you know, 30 minutes with a four-year-old is sprinting. It's like, come on, you're going to the toilet, right? Come on, let's get some food in you. That flies by. And we were using Ionity chargers because it works with my uh, Octopus Electric Universe card. And, and still, like, oh, man. So, you know, it, it's all good. Put them in, but don't tell people, hey, now have a business meeting. Use a 50-kilowatt charger for that, maybe. I don't know. My suggestion. Right, I I should move on. Sorry, that was almost a rant. Goodness me, I don't do rants on this podcast. Um, I'm not a ranty person, but that's about as close as we get. Now, um, as someone who is ranting, and that is the UK charging industry, ranting at the UK government because the charging industry gets stuck with a much higher tax rate than we do at home. Bosses of 23 companies have co-signed a letter urging our Chancellor uh, to make a simple and low-cost intervention. As electricity prices continue to rise, it's threatening consumers' willingness to go EV. The VAT, value-added tax. The VAT on the electric you pay at home, 5%. VAT when you're using public charging, 20%. Why is that different? I don't know. No no, no good answer. Um, charging companies say that the high electricity costs at the minute, which is if you're buying it on the commercial market... Um, yeah, I don't know, you're paying 60, 70, 80, 90p a pound per unit, per kilowatt hour. The quote was, it's having a material impact on future investment. And you can read, not even between the lines, it, it's pretty obvious there. That means less investment, fewer charges, because other people will use them less and they're making less profit and less money. And we, we want a robust charging industry. So maybe that's a good thing they can cut the VAT rate. That'll really help out drivers. Now, which states are going to follow California? and ban ICE cars. Oregon 
Washington planning to ban ICE cars. In just over a decade, all new cars sold in Oregon and Washington will be EV. California announced the ban um, on gas-powered cars for 2035, the only US state that's allowed to make their own emissions rules. Washington passed the law in 2019, following California. Oregon did it in 2006, uh, saying that they would uh, follow California's lead. Now, an interesting article in Bloomberg Uh, Because in the past, I've been critical of GM's CEO, Mary Barra, for talking a bigger game than they do. Not for critical for the cars they make, because the Bolt is great. The Volt was wonderful um, and fantastic. The Hummer's out. We've got more cars coming. They just talk a bigger game at GM than they should be entitled to, because they've not done anything yet. And we're still waiting. Um, And they still talk like they've been doing this for the last 10 years. Like, oh, but... Bloomberg say that their push is deliberately slow. Uh, The Ultium battery plant opened this month. The second arrives late next year. There's a blitz of EVs coming, says Bloomberg. The Chevy Silverado pickup, the Equinox, the small SUV. Equinox going to be priced $30,000. It's coming. Uh, The Chevy Volt, which I mentioned, was first made in 2010 and then followed by the Bolt. For some reason, though, the Volt didn't give them the early lead it should have done, because the Volt was a great car. Um, and the Bolt, of course, I mean, it had great range, but it wasn't everyone's cup of tea. Then it had the battery problems as well, which have now been fixed, of course. And as the Hummer production started, all of the industry got hit by the supply chain issues. And so GM have been suffering a bit. At a recent Q&A session with investors, Mary Barra, the CEO, saying that the market doesn't understand GM's strategy and that once these vehicles hit the showrooms, half a dozen of them, uh, then there'll be lyrics and all sorts that you can that you can buy. She is certain we will then understand their strategy. I, I, I don't misunderstand their strategy. I just don't like the way that they kind of walk around uh, doing the cowboy walk going, yeah, we're going to be bigger than Tesla. Well, you're not because you're going to make, you know, your plan is by 2025 to make 2 million vehicles a year. And Tesla will probably do that this year. And if you look at North America, um, so if you if you say, oh, no, the last risk on that claim, it's only we only meant domestically. You still won't be bigger than Tesla. And that's not a problem. You don't have to be bigger than Tesla. Uh, But when they walk around making these big claims for months and years on end, it's frustrating because you just want them to, you know, personally, and maybe it's a British thing, I don't know, crack on, quietly crack on, release great products. But I, you know, I, I get it. I've worked for publicly listed companies. I work for private companies. And when you're a public company, I do remember many years working for for, for listed companies. Ah, uh, just the, the the three monthly, non-stop pandering to investors. Then marketing budgets would be cut uh, because they needed to save some short-term money. And it, it, you know, and then I've worked for private companies and individuals, and, and you know, uh, in many ways, there's pros and cons. But um, you know, you are less. You, you need to make. You can go about your business quietly, is what I'm trying to say. So maybe that's just all that she's had to do, is just defend off investors and just keep talking about how great they are. They don't make anything yet. But I think, I think what's coming is going to be great. We just don't know. Looking forward to finding out. Now, a couple of long reads for you. Uh, three, actually. The first one is a long read from the New York Times talking about mining. They say 350 miles northwest of Montreal, amid a vast pine forest, is a deep mining pit with walls of mottled rock. The pit has changed hands repeatedly and been mired in bankruptcy, but now it could help determine the future. 
of electric vehicles. New York Times writes, The mine contains lithium, an indispensable ingredient in electric car batteries that is, in short, supply. If it opens on schedule next year, it'll be the second North American source of lithium, offering hope that the badly needed raw materials can be extracted and refined close to the Canadian, US and Mexican factories. After the price of lithium fell by half between 2017 and 2020, the mine's previous owner, CATL, shut it down and sought protection from creditors for the subsidiary that owned it. Working with Piedmont Lithium, a lithium mining and processing company, uh, they bought the operations last year, the company Sayona. Uh, it's a, a beautiful article, actually. It's one of those New York Times, I don't know, maybe it's a feature, uh, really big bold, wonderful pictures, really beautiful, uh, not your typical sort of 750-word you know, news article, uh, picture at the top, bash it out. It's a really nice feature. Um, go and check it out. Some fantastic imagery they've used in that. Second long read to recommend is the Financial Times. And since they say the car was invented 136 years ago, the industry has become one of the foundations of the continent's growth and prosperity. But as China establishes control over supply chains, Europe's car sector faces a big challenge. And it will not just mean creating factories to build car batteries, says Emma Neremheim, sustainability officer of North Volts. It will involve an ecosystem of mining, refining and chemical engineering if we want to drive electric vehicles. She says, the one who owns processing capacity is the one that controls and trades where material comes from. Well, Roland Getride is the chief exec of Luxembourg's Levista Energy. They're building lithium refineries in the UK and mainland Europe and says getting the supply chain ready uh, when electric vehicle demand hits the next stage of that adoption curve when it soars. The mainstream is at the fore of the industry's problems and Europe is trying to compete with people who are 20 years ahead in China. And finally, if you fancy downloading a big old chunky report, um, Autonomy, which is that electric subscription company in the US, um, published their first issue of their market report. It's 84 pages long. Um, I was going to print it out on my little office printer here, but I thought, you know what, I'm going to use one of those online services. So I've used a, like an online printer. It's not cheap. It's cost me a tenner to do. But it's a really interesting, beautiful, full-color, like I say, report. It's got uh, global and U.S. market share forecasting. It looks at production by car maker, um, charging infrastructure, market share by brand and car maker, efficiency, uh, looking at the federal and state incentives, and even used pricing. And I imagine the conclusion will be, hey, subscription services are double thumbs up because that's their business. But um, it, it looks like a really good resource that I can read you know, when I got a spare 10 minutes, but not one on my phone or the computer or the iPad, I sit down and read it on paper. So there you go, I've ordered I've ordered that. Uh, that'll be a couple of days to arrive from the printers, one of these online services that I've used before. So uh, if anybody wants that, by the way, in the I mean, I'll say in the UK, then uh, then give me a week to read it and I'll send it on to you um, if you're interested. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's for background. It's background reading, isn't it? But uh, to understand the EV industry. But that's what I do for you. That's why I do this as a job. So that in 20 minutes, you're then up to date. 
because that saves you reading 84 PDF pages. Uh, right, let's uh, talk about question of the week. Taking a wee break for a while, but it will return. Thank you very much to everyone on Patreon that supports the show. Our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Brad Crosby, Porsche of the Village of Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii. Derek Riley from the EV Review Ireland and the YouTube channel. Uh, Richard at rsev.cut.uk for buying and selling EVs in the UK. Octopus Electric Universe. It's global public charging. Made simple with one app, one map. I use it all the time. And millbrookcottages.co.uk. Hit up the website and see their stunning five-star luxury cottages in Devon. When you've made your choice, get your booking in. You deserve it. Enjoy your break. Have a good one tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.